You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to the Worshipology podcast. This is a podcast for worship teams, worship leaders, and worshipers of Jesus. And uh, today I'm excited because I got my homie Jansen Riles in the studio. Say what's up, dude. What up? <laughs> you guys have like the applause button. I know. Oh, dude, that would be cool. Like if we had one of those, there would Fart be a lot machine. more cheer because no one, I can never get any interaction. Yeah. It's a podcast. That's yeah. the saddest thing about That's it. That's right. I don't know if people are laughing, crying on the other line. Yeah, honestly. You know, yeah. I just got to trust that And God's you might working. need to like emotionally prompt them. That's right. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Those are the best. And I feel like if we could walk around with soundtracks and laugh buttons, life would be so much better. Yeah. Because then people would never confuse, like, oh, like, you're being serious. <laughs> or like, oh, 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 it's a joke. Please. Oh, we can laugh right now. <laughs> Well, listen, Jansen is our, uh, Jansen Riles, he's our youth pastor here at Destination, and uh, he's got an incredible story, and I actually just got to go to Korea with him. We did a week of ministry where he would preach, I would lead worship with a bunch of kids. He definitely had the heavy lifting, because how many messages did you have to prepare in that one week? It was basically, I had to prepare six to preach nine times in three days. (laughs) And then we fly back to the U.S., and I'm like, able to sleep in, Jansen signs up to preach at a youth conference the very next day. That was, that was, I was, (laughs) I was, live and learn. Awesome youth conference, great youth pastor, um, and just a great team there. But I I literally think I had two hours of sleep before. I think it went well, but I definitely passed out afterwards. Yeah, you're like, I think it went well. I kind of blacked out in the middle of it. I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea, but Yeah. yeah, I think it was good. So Jansen is, uh, he's just an absolute blast to hang out with. And uh, I've just really admired how he does youth ministry. Our our youth group here at Destination is so vibrant. It's growing uh, and just so many testimonies coming out of that. We'll get into all that kind of stuff. But yeah. today it's going to be an interesting podcast because I've never had a youth pastor on the podcast. And yet if we look at like that age group that, uh, you know, would you call it Gen Z or is it? Yeah. Yeah. We say Gen Z. Gen Z. Okay. Yeah. Uh Like digital natives or whatever they call. But like that is like one of those demographics that I think the church cannot afford to miss. Mm -hmm. And especially when it comes to worship and music and connecting uh, and community with that generation, man, it's so key. So I want to dive into all of that. And I think it's going to really help all of us as we listen. But for those who are listening, man, Jansen, give us like a snapshot of your story, man. How'd you get involved in ministry and, and, and working with churches and youth, dude? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying all that. Um, so my story, essentially, um, both my parents love Jesus my whole life. Uh, definitely not pastors or, um, (laughs) and like, I, I I think my experience in church growing up was like, it was a priority on Sunday morning and that was it. So we didn't, I don't really have any memories of serving or anything like that, but, um, I was Mm. really big into sports. Um, and I wanted to be a doctor. So my first semester in college, oh, wow. I uh, I was playing football on scholarship, and I was a pre med major. Okay, and that's then, an interesting mix. You don't hear that every day. I know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I it was hard. Yeah, <laughs> I can only terrible. imagine. Um, and then uh, so like halfway through my second fall at my first school, I, I was not. I, I would not never have said that I walked away from Jesus, but yeah, uh, my relationship with Jesus definitely took a back seat. For all of, I would say, I mean, high school, he was a priority, but then not in college at all. And, um, and I had, uh, this, this, uh, you know, it was, I think it was my fall of my sophomore year, second football season there. And 
you know, college football is really what I wanted to do. And so um, it was a, a long-term goal and I was living where I, you know, I, I was reaching my goals. I was doing everything that I want, thought that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I just found myself sitting there unfulfilled, maybe even depressed. And so I prayed mm. on a, I'll never forget this, on a Tuesday morning in October, uh, God, if you don't want me to be here anymore, I'm going to need you to give me a sign, and I'm not leaving here without one. Wow. And uh, that same day in practice, in a non-contact drill, I uh, broke my ankle like so bad that like my foot was turn- turned oh. around backwards. Oh. And uh, anyway. Like, God, you could have just put a rainbow in the sky <laughs> yeah, or something. Seriously, God, that was a little harsh. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that he broke my ankle, but... Definitely use that as a catalyst um, in my life, uh, wow. just to kind of reawaken me to just gifts and callings that God has put on my life. And then, so I transferred from that school and then went to ORU in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Cool. And uh, then that's kind of where ministry became, um, you know, something that I felt like God was leading me into. And then um, from there, uh, graduating from ORU, I was a youth pastor in Austin, Texas. Nice. At a church down there. For See, like, Austin's one of those cities I've always wanted to go to. Dude. Never been, bro. Austin is... Dude, as a music guy, I know. Oh, you gotta be, I know. You South go. by Southwest, all ACL. the venues, Austin City dude. Lights. Dude. Oh, man. Yeah, that's like one of the coolest parts. Is it Austin city. city Lights or City Limits? City Limits. Okay, yeah. I'm pretty sure. City Lights could be cool, too. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Um, we'll start and, the uh, and then got connected with uh, Pastor Brian here about three and a half years after I started in Austin and felt like God was leading us here. And That's awesome. You know, one thing led to another, and now my wife and I are here. We uh, this is kind of funny. So my wife and I dated and met in Austin, and then um, <laughs> we felt called to come to Virginia, and so we left Austin with a trailer and went to our wedding, and then never went back to Austin and started uh, here in, in in at destination. So it was a new season of life, wow. new city. New job, new everything, all at the same <laughs> Just time. Just knock it all out at yeah. once, man. <laughs> and so we've been here for actually coming up on two years and wow. like two weeks. So. That's amazing, man. Yeah. And now your your younger brother, Caden, he's on our worship staff oh, yeah. over Next Gen Worship, leading worship for youth, leading worship on Sundays, and doing an awesome job with that. So that's got to be kind of fun, doing ministry with family. Let's, let's even pause there for a minute. Like, what is it like to be on staff at a church with your wife doing ministry together? Yeah. Um, and then you got your younger brother also on staff. Like there's always fun family dynamics in any job, but in ministry, I can only imagine it maybe is a little bit more complicated. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, the blessings definitely outweigh the burdens. Yeah. That's good. Um, it's just so fun. And just, I think there's a natural trust factor there. Mm. Um, but then, you know, there, there are some burdens to it. I think it's easy to kind of lose the professionalism and, be a little bit more just family oriented yeah. and then you know it's it's hard because you can't like if something happens at work does that carry into the relationship like family side or Ooh, you know yeah. just all sorts of stuff like that but I, overall it's way more of a blessing than a burden but it just takes some like i think an increased level of boundaries and communication yeah that's really than good maybe the normal person would have to have and i think you probably have to be super intentional about like hey this is work this is mm-hmm. life at home absolutely you yeah. know and obviously like ministry can be a 24/7 thing mm-hmm. and i don't think like everybody that's in ministry has to separate it 100% you know life from ministry whatever works works but you know as far as like doing ministry and i talk to a lot of worship leaders who travel with their wife or they lead mm-hmm. worship to 
together. Yeah. Um, it's that balance of knowing like, hey, when we're on stage together, um, you know, let's let's make sure that we are together all the way. And just yeah. like maybe you got to pray it up before you go on stage. Right. If you just got in a fight that morning on yeah, your way to exactly. church or something. But I think it's really cool. And, and I've just really enjoyed seeing you do ministry uh, both together when we've traveled, but also just here on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. pouring into these kids. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the the culture of youth here mm-hmm. at Destination, and then just kind of what you see big picture wise with what's happening today in our culture at large in yeah. America with that demographic of like let's say twelve to twenty. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's so fun, but I will say this: I'm 27 years old, so I'm not that. Uh, out of that realm. I'm actually technically, yeah. uh, depending on what you look like or you look at, um, I I could be like on the top end of Generation Z. Okay. But the crazy thing about Generation Z is it's just so fast changing. It shifts. Wow, yeah. Uh, there's new lingo introduced. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, I feel like I have to go to you like weekly, like, okay, what's the hip word now, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, it, uh, for our listeners, if you don't know what Riz is, ask your child. If okay. they're in middle and high school, ask them what Riz is. Do you know what Riz is? I'm still getting caught up on sus. <laughs> and, and, and Dude, sus is so three months ago, yeah, bro. Yeah. I need on, your man. help, Jansen. Help me out, man. What is Riz? What is that? Riz is like uh, like if you have game with the ladies, you've oh, got okay. W right. Riz. Oh. And if you don't have game with the ladies, you got L Riz. L Riz. So like, it's like, it's like winning, winning and losing. It, yeah. Okay, uh-huh. I got yeah. you. But, um, I can track with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as a whole, you know, our students at Destination Youth are—they're um, so much fun, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, one of the things that I notice is we are living in a post-Christian environment, right? And um, things that you maybe in previous generations could assume that were kind of a baseline understanding. Wow. You know, with Bible stories and even just morality, mm. like. We're having to reteach the very fundamentals of, um, you know, just the gospel and the stories. And when I first got here, we did a uh, series called Faith 101, where we just went through what is the Bible, what wow. is salvation, what yeah. is um, worship, what is, you know, all these different things. Because what we were noticing in, is that the percentage of students that knew even just a cursory understanding of anything about the things of God was just really, really low. So we had to kind of just jump off of a very bottom line, which is a blessing and a curse because the blessing is there's not any kind of weird... Um, you don't have to like disorient them from no, anything. Exactly. You know, yeah. Any weird church stuff or bad theology. You're kind of starting from ground level. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which is which is really, really fun. And, you know, we just had this kid, his name's Robert. He um, set, uh, 16 years old, never even heard of Jesus in his life. Wow. Um, and, uh, he got saved at camp and, um, it's just been so fun. I've been reading, uh, just trying to help him learn how to read the Bible. So we've been reading John together and, you know, the preamble of John is, uh, is like this big theologically rich passage. And so as we're going through it, I'm reading it and I'm just like, you know, and John wasn't the light, but he testified to the light and he stops me and goes, okay, who the heck is John? I thought we were talking about Jesus. And wow. it's like, and so, you know, there's just so many moments like that. Um, yeah, yeah. But here's what I'll say about Generation Z as a whole. Okay. Um, they're very purpose-driven. Wow. They love causes to get behind. They love blasting things out on social media to make them feel like they're sticking up for people. They're sticking up for the marginalized. or um, So they're very, very easily, like, easily motivated yeah. behind a cause. Yeah. Um, and so I think one of our biggest jobs 
is uh, helping them know what's a worthy cause, what's a battle that, um, you know, through the lens of your Christianity that's worth fighting, and then wow. what is maybe something that, you know, we should remain on the middle in. Yeah, that's really um, good, man. It seems yeah. like one thing that I've seen you do really well is just galvanizing the the vision piece of our youth. Mm. And like, so we have this thing coming up called One Night, you yeah. know? And my daughter, she's in sixth grade, so she just joined the youth, but she comes home talking about like, I know my one, I know who I'm going to invite. Yeah. And, you know, it's just something that you're able to rally. And so it seems to me like Gen Z is a very uh, galvanizing um easy to rally, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, behind a worthy cause. And so, you know, how do you help decipher between what's a worthy cause and what's not a worthy cause? Is it just strictly through the lens of the gospel or, or you know, and maybe give some examples of like, man, mm-hmm. it was crazy uh, in youth ministry. We we faced this challenge. We never thought we would have to, or, you mm-hmm. know, I'm just so fascinated by it because I know for me personally, like youth ministry, I did a bunch of camps maybe 15 years ago, yeah. and it was incredible. But the mm-hmm. challenges that kids were facing 15 years ago versus what they're facing today in a world of nonstop internet, iPhones at 12 years old, mm-hmm. and you know internet. So I know I threw a lot out there right yeah. now, but yeah, just, yeah, just I th- regale us, man. I think, like, well, one of the challenges, I, I would say, is that because of social media and because of the accessibility to the internet and news articles, there is this false sense of maturity because I read an article, because I saw so-and-so post this, that this type of YouTuber said this. So now this has become a core belief for me. And so there's opinions like, you know, if you fast forward or rewind, even to when I was growing up, I probably didn't have really strong opinions about political topics as a 12 year old. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, I didn't, I I probably didn't care about, uh, you know, all of this stuff going on in the world. Wow. Um, just because it wasn't, but I, what I, what I find now is that, that, you know, there's so much access to information that people think that they're experts or think that it just, I mean, really false sense of maturity is like, it's a, it's a mask of maturity because wow. there's a cursory knowledge, there's an elementary knowledge about a topic, but there's not, there's still not the experiential knowledge. So they'll be able to have hold conversations about high level topics, um, but not necessarily have that heart understanding. Yeah. Kind of, you know, just and so that that can be a challenge. Um, I bet because people are really because like we said, like they're super purpose driven. Yeah. But the purpose that could be something that they don't really know too much about. Yeah. And they just feel. And, and that's that's mm. maybe the other thing is that truth that's a good is point. F- like feelings over truth, wow. feelings over facts. Um, and so one of the things that we preach on all the time is just because it feels right yeah. or doesn't mean that it is right. Yeah. And um, I mean, that'll preach to every generation, bro. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, uh, yeah, it, it will preach to every generation. But there, it's just such a feelings based all you know, accept everybody, love everybody, which is awesome. But then it leads into I'm going to start yelling about things, either physically or on social media wow. that yeah. um, I don't really understand yeah. quite yet. Yeah. Hey, and just for our listeners, uh, we picked a day where there's construction happening in yeah. our offices. <laughs> so if you hear drills, just know me and Jansen are fine. Um, what I find interesting is like, man, as you're sharing you know, that we're informed past our level of obedience that we know too mm. much and we, we, we feel more yeah. than we lean into the truth. I mean, that, that relates to so many yeah. different demographics. It's not even funny, man. And right. so what's interesting to me is like, 
realizing that, okay, as a worship pastor, as a worship leader, you know, the way that I approach generational uh, worship may not be that different after all. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're all people. We all have battles. We all have yeah. blessings. We're all, you know, balancing this this crazy life and living in this culture that's so fast paced and moving so quickly. Yeah. But when it comes to you know worship, because uh, I know that's something you're passionate about, and I've had you even sing some gang vocals <laughs> yeah, on oh some, yeah, some projects, man. You got you got a voice in there. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I always, think I always tell people <laughs> I believe that God has called me to be a worship leader. Okay. The problem is there was a there was a uh, there was an issue when he sent me to Earth. Yeah. I think when he was mixing all the talents uh-huh. and stuff together, he just left the the singing. He and left the vocals out yeah. out on the counter before he mixed it in there. Oh, sent man. me to Earth. So, but see, I would take your arm in football. You know, yeah. I feel like hey. God called me to be an athlete, and then when I get out on the field, it's very clear that that's not Dude, my call. You have raw speed, though. I, I mean, I, I yeah. got some. I can boost, man. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. A good arm gets you. It okay. gets you a lot of fun until you're 20. Oh, and then you can, then it's pointless. And then it is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unless you're like Mahomes level, yeah, there's really true, not yeah. a future there. Which that was not me. That's so funny, man. Well, I mean, you know, in the light of like worship, because that is such a huge part yeah. of the the youth culture that we have mm-hmm. here, uh, and I'm excited to participate in that on that on that one night that's coming up in a couple of weeks. But uh, I mean, I love our youth when it comes to worship. Yeah. I mean, one of one of the first nights of worship that we did here, um, the youth took up an entire section and anytime we would go into anything upbeat they were the loudest in the yeah. room i mean it's They're just so like fun, man. it's amazing man like what so when it comes to like leading worship approaching it through the lens of youth ministry and youth culture and as a youth pastor yeah. what are you looking for in a worship leader what are you looking for in a, a worship experience there yeah well let me kind of back up and say this i think uh, here's what i believe about worship in general for the next generation um, you know, I, I believe in making our experience and our service as fun and as cool and as relevant and as exciting and as, you know, all of that. I believe in doing that. We work really hard. Like you mentioned, our one night, you know, we're, we're thinking that we're going to have over 400 students here wow. for that. So we believe in the hype and we've, you know, we got all sorts of fun stuff planned, but, you know, our world is I think the world that we're living in, they can find something. They're always going to be able to find something cooler. Yeah. Something more relevant. Yeah. Something, uh, you know, more exciting. Wow. But the one thing that the world can't offer that the church can is the presence of God. Come on, dude. And I think if that is the thing that we want our students to be hooked by, we want them to enjoy the fun stuff and enjoy friends and enjoy That's all great. But we want the core and the center to be, uh, uh, the presence of God. And so I think the best way and the, the, uh, the most efficient way to usher that in is through worship. Wow. And what I've found is, you know, the students will come for friends, but then the reason that they stay is for the presence of God. Wow. Because that is something that the world cannot offer. And so Mm. when it comes to our services, you know, when we first got here, um, there wasn't, it was a very much a small group based, model, which is excellent. I totally believe in fellowship and the importance of the connection and everything like that. But um, to me, one of the things that I wanted to harp on and what I felt like was the X factor to our growth was teaching the students how to worship. Wow. And I think without the teaching piece of it, 
it's easy to kind of make it feel like Christian karaoke. Yeah. Like for the new student, every new student that comes in, I, I, I tell them, like, are you familiar with church? Because we have a lot of unchurched people come. Yeah. So that's a really good starting point. Um, and if they're not, what I say is like, okay, this is, you know, kind of the structure of our service. And then this is worship. And um, it's not Christian karaoke. Uh, that's really good. But, but what we're doing is we're singing our affection and, uh, and about our love of God. And we believe that there's something powerful that happens when we do that and that God's presence is made known in that. And so you, on, you're going to see people lift their hands. You're going to see people close their eyes. You might see people cry. And that might be uncomfortable for uncomfortable for you at first. But um, I just want you to know that's that's normal. That's kind of what to expect. Um, and then, you know, and so just all of our worship moments, we just want there to be a focus on leaning into the presence of God and not yeah. being distracted. And so yeah. we're pretty strict about the... Don't talk to your friends, you know, and then we just help, you know, lead them because I think my in my life, the best worship moments I've ever had were always like a half step outside of what I was comfortable with. Oh, and that's so good. What we always do yeah. is, hey, you know, if you feel comfortable, like I'm going to challenge you to go one step outside your comfort zone. And maybe for some of you, that's just closing your eyes in the moment. Maybe for some of you, that's lifting one hand. Maybe that's lifting two. Maybe it's getting on your knees. Maybe it's, you know, singing as loud as you can. Whatever it is, what I believe is that when we, uh, what does the Bible say? Draw near to God and yeah. he will draw, draw yeah. near to you. Um, what I believe is that can be in the physical actions, taking a step um, towards him. And so that's a lot of things that we t- like harped on in the very beginning. And we've been really reaping the fruit of it because our, wow. our students, I mean, you can ask them. Like, yeah. I, I yeah. like to think. Well, I'll just say this. I like to preach, yeah. but our students don't come back because I'm a good preacher. <laughs> they come back because of the presence of God and wow. worship. That's so good, man. Yeah. And I can attest to that, man. And I, I love the fact that my wife, she's gotten really involved in playing bass in the youth team. Yeah. And she Sarah loves the it. pink bass. She Shout crushes out. it, man. <laughs> Dude, she loves it, man. And she always comes back just so inspired to yeah. see how these teenagers who are going through so much whether they're in middle school or high school, yeah. um, they're just going through so much, the, the pressures that they're facing today, and yet they come in with open hearts, ready to receive, ready to pour out everything they have to Jesus, and God meets them in that space. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're saying brings them back. You know, whether you're listening to this and you're, you're, you're a pastor or a worship leader or, or on a worship team, you know, we, we can spend so much time planning and preparing and trying to make everything perfect. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if the Holy Spirit's not in it, right. they're probably not coming back. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, this is something that Aaron Keyes taught me in worship is like, you know, he's he basically had gotten to this point in his life where he's like, look, I realized I put 98% of my week into prepping for 2% of it. Mm-hmm. And anything yeah. they go home and watch on ABC, NBC, the Grammys, whether it's on that night, it's going to blow us out of the water. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we really better hope yeah. That when we invite the Holy Spirit in this place, He shows up, and mm-hmm. that's what draws people back. Right. That's what's infused into our community mm-hmm. that changes lives, that makes a difference. Yeah. And that is the game changer in our youth, man. Right. Maybe talk a little bit about, you know, we've been seeing a lot of youth worship movements happening over right. these last five years. I think, you know, recently it started with Hillsong Young and Free, but it goes yeah. all the way back to, I can remember when, you know, Joel Houston was like in his low 20s and yeah. like United was a youth band. And now we've got, you know, Elevation Rhythm. Now we've got River Valley Ages. There's more coming yeah. out every single month. Mm-hmm. And it's just so cool because it feels like there's this sound yeah. to our youth generation yeah. and it's rising up. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny because I, I think if you look at those songs like, um, you know, Elevation Rhythm and I'm even thinking about like SEU. Oh, and, gosh, and, yeah. And, 
it's just funny to see the shift in lyrics to me a little yeah, bit because yeah. you know we were talking about the post-christian world like <laughs> i think about if i'm a non-believer and that's that's really what a lot of you know our students maybe they know about god or they've been going to church but they're still post-christian and you come and singing you you come and sing about the blood of jesus the blood of the lamb washing over you wow. now if you have a theologically theological understanding of that it's like wow it's powerful yeah if you don't Dude, that's weird, bro. Yeah, if like, you've never been to church, you're like, crap. Are we? You this know, is. Am I allowed wild. to say crap on this podcast? Yeah, dude. Okay. I mean, All I hope good. so. You've said it like three times. <laughs> okay, <laughs> me too. Uh, but if you look at the lyrics of these like newer bands, they're a lot uh, more of what I would say, like maybe relevant to the way that people talk and what they talk about and the issues that they're facing mm. um, today. And it's a lot less, I think, uh, and, and I still think there's a deeply theological um, emphasis in them, but I think the way that it's described in the songs is yeah. a lot more bottom shelf. Yeah. And I think that it's blowing up so much is because we have a generation of people that when they're uh, with their understanding, I think, is a lot more bottom shelf. And so I'm thinking about songs like Monday Morning Faith. So good. You know, it it, it is so... The, the song is amazing, Yeah. but... Um, it's pretty. It's pretty. Root I, level. I just think yeah. it's yeah. It's just very Reach like common day la- language, and you know, uh, elevation rhythm crushes it with the like me and my best friends are going to church and we're gonna have a good time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> type yep, of thing. Yep, yep. But those are, are the songs that are blowing up, and yeah. Um, and so I think it's kind of making it more palatable and more um, e- more easy to understand. Yeah. Of what you know we're actually singing. That's really good, and I do think as the world. You know, especially here in America, you know, kind of leans more into that post-Christian mm-hmm. uh, culture. You're going to have to be operating in the understanding that like, hey, we've got to reach people where they're at. Right. Exactly. And where they're at isn't where they were 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. because I think, you know, I can remember when I was in high school, we had See You at the Pole, you know, mm-hmm. where we would meet around the flagpole and pray yeah. together. We had FCA mm-hmm. and we met in the schools, you know. Yeah. It wasn't weird to pray in school. It wasn't, you know, as taboo. Yeah. And then today it's it's kind of like, you know, as, as our whole culture has gone away from, let's just say like a traditional Christian uh, morality base, um, you know, you you can't go in with like, hey, David and Goliath. You know that story? Yeah, no, I don't. Right. I uh-huh. w- tell me about that. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like that's interesting, man. Even tell the us the word about holy. That. Yeah, like, I went around recently to our youth, um, and I asked a bunch of them, "Hey, can you describe to me what the word holy means?" Wow. And you know, some of them were like, somewhat close. Yeah. But there was a good chunk of them that was like, uh, like, like my jeans holy. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean like about God. You wow. know, it just, you know, and so I, I yeah, I, I, there's definitely a, a, I don't know. I think it's just such an amazing opportunity though. That's so good. I, I think with any, uh, so I'm a communication major, worthless degree, but you, you talk did, real good. It did, real I good. talk good. <laughs> um, it did do, it did do, uh, a few things for me. And one of the things, uh, that they, there's this in communication theory, there's these spheres of belonging. Yeah. And uh, as the spheres kind of go in, there's less and less people. And so, for example, like you're a Steelers fan. Yep. And so that would be the outer, like being a Steelers fan is like one of the outer layers of belonging. You see somebody with a Steelers jer- jersey on and you're like, oh, you know, there's yeah, a sense of belonging. Up. Yeah. But the intimacy level is not yeah, there. Not there. But in each 
uh, sphere of belonging, yeah. there's what's called insider language. Okay. And so, you know, for a Steelers fan, it'd be like, you know, you've got the terrible towel. Yep. You've got, you know, these different names of people. Maybe there's like some football jargon in there. Yeah. Um, and if you're outside of that, you wouldn't necessarily understand exactly what, what you know, you're talking those about. words mean. Yeah. And so I think um, relating that to the church, I think that there's, you know, church people and Christians, there are, you know, that that's a sphere of belonging. Mm. But I think as you go in with under, I think... The, the circle gets smaller when you think about the the um, understanding level. And so wow. it, it, with each, you know, each sphere, as it gets smaller, there's there's insider language. And so um, one of the things that we um, focus on, my wife and I, when we're putting on services, we don't want to have the, the most inner circle insider language about Christianity. We want it to be as bottom shelf and understandable. Wow. Um, because... I think it's harder to take steps closer in your relationship with Jesus yeah. if there's a lower comprehension level. Wow. If that makes I don't know if that, that makes that sense. That makes total but. sense. And I think if you're listening and you're a songwriter and one of your, you know, drives is to write songs that reach this generation, I think there you've got it right yeah. there. There's your mm-hmm. there's your target. It's to basically make it so palatable that anyone can listen and engage in the message of Jesus. Exactly. And let's be honest, look at Jesus. Jesus was very intentional about not being above where people were at. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he taught in parables. It was an agricultural, you know, day and age. And so a lot of his parables have to do with farming and have to do with planting seeds and, you know, like the trees in the field and all of these things. And I think Jesus was like, look, I'm here for the people that don't think they have it all together. Yeah. And we have a generation Jansen, that yeah. they don't they know they don't have it all together. Right, exactly. I mean, they're so open about their struggles with mental health and mm-hmm. and you know, I think that's one of the things that we're super intentional with keeping that open dialogue with our kids, even at their their ages of nine and eleven, you know, you guys can talk to us about anything. There's no mm-hmm. struggle that's right. off bounds. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no there's nothing you can go through. And as youth pastors, um, you know, the way that you get, you love these kids, right, it, yeah. it's just so clear, man. And mm-hmm. I mean, just share something encouraging for those who are listening and maybe they, they want to do more or they want to be more engaged with the youth in their church, but they don't really know what that first step is. What does that look like for somebody, Jansen? Dude, I love it. Yeah. And I'll just like say this in Acts chapter four, this is like kind of going back in Acts chapter four, Jesus or um, the disciples, you know, do this amazing miracle and there's a scripture that says when the people saw that they were unschooled ordinary yeah. men and uh, if you ch- trace the Greek back the Greek word there is idiotas <laughs> where we get the word <laughs> idiot <laughs> yeah. so Jesus was literally making things understandable for wow idiots wow there you go and <laughs> hey, that's um, Greek theology man. yeah boom let's go right there mic drop <laughs> you know what I I would say about this next generation I think there's um, a couple of things that I, I would just like to say. One is, I think a lot of times uh, the older generation, and this has not just happened with Generation Z, but I think that older generations tend to have hopeless thoughts towards, and even animosity and angst towards the next generosity as they see, you know, um, just as the things that are going on in their generation and just, you know, the godlessness and the, you know, just the outlandish stuff about sexuality. Like, you know, as a youth pastor who's been in youth ministry for five years, I have more hope for the gener for the next generation of the church and the future of the church than um, I I think I've ever had. Wow. Because these kids and these students that are growing up are, um, 
you know, just um, their hearts are so amazing. And, yeah. you know, even I would say their skill and their ability to understand, maybe they don't have an understanding, but their ability to understand. Yeah. And once that understanding connects with their spirit, there's just a passion there. Wow. And so what I, I would say is the gospel and the church is going to be in good hands mm. as long as we as the older generations do our part to steward and to teach and to love and to rebuke and to guide the, this next generation. And it's good. Um, but but what I would say for anyone who's interested in getting into youth ministry or worship leaders who maybe are on a youth team and they feel like it's second fiddle or they feel like it's just mm. a stepping stone to get to the bigger stage. Wow. Um, I would just say th- that the students are worth it. Come you know, on, I, I say all the time, there's no junior high Holy Spirit. Let's go. There's no high school Holy Spirit. The mm. full measure of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that can indwell an 11-year-old. Yeah. And wow. um, and so I, I would just say that it's not secondary. Wow. It's not a, a less worthy cause. Mm. Um, and then, you know, and what I like about this generation is I think it used to be where uh, youth pastors, and I've even been guilty of this, is only want people that are the coolest, youngest, hippest, you know, like, oh, that guy's got a dangly cross earring. He, <laughs> he would be a great youth leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, he's or, rocking the new J's. Dude, look at, yeah, that stage. guy's got some off-white J's. He, he would be, um, it, I don't really find that our students care about that. Wow. Like, I see our students connecting with all ages. We have some um, youth leaders that are absolutely crushing it yeah. and are the most inviting people. And their small groups are growing. Like this one small group we have, it's not a small group anymore, but like over the last three or four weeks now, it's, it's gone from about 15 to 48. Holy cow. <laughs> so That's amazing. We're having to multiply that and figure out, you know, all sorts of stuff with that. That's but awesome. it's a youth leader who's older. Yeah. And so like, you know, in her fifties. And wow. so what I would say is it's not second fiddle and you don't have to be the coolest, hippest person to be able to connect and to be able to lead. You, mm. you know, if God places a burden on your heart, like just go after it, like wow. chase that, be obedient. Don't disqualify yourself for what you feel like you lack and what mm. you feel like you're not. And, and don't try, you know, it, and it also feels weird if you try to be super uh, young and hip and cool if you're not. Yeah, yeah. Like, if that's you, be, be you. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you if that's not you, I don't need you coming up to me and being like, <laughs> what's up, dog? That's looking sus. Yeah. And that's you probably use the wrong lingo anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll use what's outdated terminology, right. you know, because it'll change Everybody's next Everybody's got anyway. some swag on today. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, dope. Oh, just hurt, hurts me saying that. Oh, my gosh. That's such good advice, man, because I think, you know, I can attest to this personally, man, like, there's so many times where I'm talking to a worship leader and they're like, yeah, like, you know, if you want a safe space where you can develop, go to the youth. Mm -hmm. And it's often talked about as like, you know, Hey, get out all your mistakes. And then once you get all that and you kind of worked your way to a a higher level of excellence, then you can come and join the big team. And, and for me, I can remember being 12 years old at a youth camp in a a worship service where I gave my life to Jesus at 12 Mm -hmm. years old, man. Yeah, me too. And I can remember these moments in the youth that I grew up in where it was worship. It was those times where I felt God's presence for the first time in my room at 13 years old. And I knew I wanted to be a worship leader in that moment. You know, and we can look back and I think I've heard that story from so many believers where it was Mm -hmm. in a youth group. It was when they were 
were a kid. It was when they were a teenager, and no one would reach out but that one person right. that cared about them. Yeah. And and I think we can't think of youth ministry in the worship realm as like just a safe space to get all of your mistakes out, right. and, you know, get some more reps and all this stuff. Yeah. There's such a value in leading with today's youth. There mm-hmm. is a passion. There is a zeal. There's an energy. And there's a desire for the presence of God. Right. Man, sign me up to lead in that kind of service, man. Right, exactly. You know, and I think that's one of the things that's been so cool to hear, like, Sarah, my wife, just say every single time she comes home on a Wednesday, is like, man, just the way they worship, mm-hmm. you know, she gets in tears about it, man. And wow. I would just say to anyone who's listening, like, man, Think of that as like a, hey, this is a way that I can go above and beyond, yeah. not side, but right, go exactly. above and beyond. Yeah. And I just think there's such a value in, in a youth culture that is passionate for worship. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love that, man. Well, dude, let me ask you this one more question. Yeah. And I've been asking this to pastors and worship leaders and songwriters. And I would love to hear your answer, man. What's the Holy Spirit been laying on your heart? What's the Holy Spirit been speaking to you? in this season mm. for for the times we're in right now? What's yeah. he just really just got on repeat in your head, man? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think there's uh, there's a couple of things. One of them is that, the, that God is never late. Mm. He's never early. Wow. And if you live a life submitted to Jesus, he's going to get you, he's going to open up doors for you that no man can open. Mm. He's going to open up opportunities. And, um, you know, you're not, I think, especially my generation, it's really easy to feel like you're behind. Ooh, you know yeah. that you have a vision, you have a goal for where you want to be, and you know things aren't happening as fast. I think you know the younger generation is, and I, I would say I, at 27, I still fall into this. We're a microwave genera- generation. We want things to happen. Yeah, right in here, two right seconds. Now. Yeah. And, and so you know, I'm really learning right now just to enjoy where I'm at and trusting that when God is ready to move me into you know another level of influence or to other things or whatever, like I, it's going to be in His time, wow. and I don't have to try to force it open for myself. Mm. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is that you know I, there where we're at currently in our youth ministry, I think anytime that God wants to do something big, I think what I'm learning is that the enemy kind of wants to try to stop things before they happen or to distract before they happen. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm just learning, you know, not to get distracted in the small things, address them when they're, uh, needing to be addressed, but Mm. just keeping your eyes on what God is doing and what God wants to do and not get distracted by these other things. That's so good, man. Yeah. And usually it's those moments where you feel like God's about to do something huge that attack comes. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, it's like the enemy won't mess with people he's not afraid of. Yeah. You know, and I just think, man, uh, I'm constantly inspired by what's happening in our youth. Yeah, man. Thanks for hanging with us for a few moments. This is fun, man. Yeah. Awesome. Dude. Love your heart, love your energy, and uh, I just love what you had to share today. I think it's going to help a lot of people, man. Awesome. Appreciate you, man. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.